You are looking live at chicken dinner. I bet you 20 bucks I can get you gambling before the end of the day. I think I'll take two chickens. Go on riverboat gambling trips. You're gonna die for some chickens. Hey, what's your chicken dinner? Someone is. It was feathers yesterday, there was no chicken. What you got riding on this game? My daughter. What a gambler. It's chicken dinner. Hey, Babalugas, we got a bet here. Here's your host, Sam Panianovich. It's called Winner Winner Chicken Dinner right there, boys. <laughs> Let's get this thing going. Winner Winner Chicken Dinner. How about that? Uh, away we go. Chicken Dinner, Wednesday, October 12th, 2022. Follow on Twitter at ChickenXDinner. DM's always open for you. And subscribe so you get this bad boy once it goes live. We will talk to Alex Smith from the Ice Guys against the number. He has a couple plays on Wednesday night. Which teams in hockey is he buying and selling? And he's not betting Colorado to run it back and win another Stanley Cup. Interesting. The bartender, just a dream. He hit us with two Sunday bangers, I think on Friday. Jacksonville minus seven, L.A. Chargers minus two and a half. Now, Jacksonville lost outright to Houston. Los Angeles beat Cleveland by two. That damn hook. But wait, there's more. Our guy hit us with the last-minute Bengals money line play on Sunday Night Football. The bailout special. Justin Tucker, 43-yard field goal, drilled. At the end of regulation, Ravens 19, Bengals 17. Bengals money line, So the bartender delivered an 0-3 weekend on a silver platter. 4-7 on the season, and now this is when the fun begins because he doesn't know which way to go. Left is right, right is left, up is down, down is up. And now we wait for the weekend. I see a lot of amazing shit on sports betting Twitter. The endless check marks and the money bags are one thing. But I saw something late last week I just couldn't believe. It was basically sports betting content history. There's a content creator that won't be named, won't give the company, not important. A content creator posted a Shane Bieber strikeout prop over after he whiffed two batters in the first inning. This is not a joke. I am dead serious. After Bieber punched out two in the first, this person tweeted a list of plays with Bieber over four and a half Ks right on top. And a special note that was the icing on the cake. The tweet reads, few plays for today. Shane Bieber over four and a half Ks. And in parentheses, already started, sorry. What? Again, there's no need to give names or companies because there's no point. Because then I'm a hater. I hate men or women or transgenders or whatever. It's dumb. Now, actually what I hate is somebody who gets paid to give betting advice past posting a stale strikeout prop after the pitcher strikes out two in the first inning. That is the fucking problem. I don't care what you look like. I don't care. I don't give a damn. I care about you doing things right. And giving out a prop after the game has started is a joke. Don't deceive people. Pretty simple. Already started. Sorry. Interesting. We didn't get the under after he struck out two. We got the over. 
a coincidence, I'm sure. Chicken picks over the weekend, 2-2-1. Two, two, and one. Lost Miami, lost Army. Won Iowa, had to sweat that out, plus three and a half. I think they lost nine to six. Had the Patriots, that was the easiest one of the day. And I have to count the Bears plus seven as a push. Many of you, if you bet on Friday or Saturday or Sunday, were able to get seven and a half or eight. If you got it Sunday and waited, you got eight and a half. Good for you. But I, in the spirit of transparency, will count that as a push. So two, two, and one at Chicken X Dinner on Twitter. Super contest. We're staying hot. Mike Cole and myself on Nesson. 4 0 1. Now tied for 25th place. And still alive in Survivor with a winner on the Tampa Bay Bucks in the Tom Brady Divorce Lawyer game. Thank you always to Winner Circle Proxy. Feeling good about the Super Contest. Only 700 and about 20 people left in Survivor. So let's see what happens. Just getting to the middle of October and hope to be alive in Survivor. Hopefully all the way to the end. But just stay the course and let the rest take care of itself. I saw this tweet from Andy Molitor at BetSports, friend of the program. Power rank these squads. Chiefs, Eagles, Bills, 49ers, Bucks. Okay. I put mine in order and went Bills, Chiefs, Eagles, Bucks, Niners. That would be my five in order. I pinged Kenny White who, as you know, has been making numbers in Las Vegas for four decades now. These are numerical ratings from Las Vegas oddsmaker Kenny White. Chiefs 109. Bills 108.5. So on a neutral, KC, basically a pick em. Niners 108. Interesting there. Bucks 106.5. Bengals are fifth. 104.5. I disagree there. I don't think that team is that good. Packers, 104.5. Chargers, 104.5. Eagles, 104.5. Disagreement there. They should be higher. Ravens, 102.5. Rams, 102. Again, power ratings are not absolute. They are nowhere near 100%. They are the baseline for helping make spreads. And even when you say that, like if the Chiefs were going to play the Niners on a neutral and Kenny's numbers have 109 and 108, he's not going to – if he was booking bets, he would not open Kansas City minus one. An odds maker just makes the line. The bookmaker has to open the market. So if you go Chiefs 109 and Niners 108 and you actually open Kansas City minus one in, say, the Super Bowl, you're going to get written out to three almost instantaneously. I would imagine that game would open – see, I, even when I say 2.5 minus 120, I know that would get written up to 3. And then sharp people would take 3, 3.5. So I think you would probably open KC San Francisco 3 on a neutral. But again, the numbers help get you to the number that you would open. Chiefs 109, Bengals 104.5, that doesn't feel right. I guess if home field is worth one and a half, two, I would make Kansas City seven at home against the Bengals. I know some sharps would take the seven, 
So maybe you maybe you open at six and a half. So I guess that four and a half point gap in Kenny's numbers isn't that far off. But I I don't think the Bengals are that good. But people would bet them. But it's a fascinating conversation to power rate teams and see how an odds maker does it, and then you kind of put your spin on it. The bottom three teams in Kenny's power ratings, Commanders 93.5, Bears 92, Steelers 92. So on a neutral field, Kansas City around a 17-point favorite over Pittsburgh. And I totally agree with that. So we'll keep in touch with Kenny. We'll see what these numbers look like in the coming weeks as the season goes longer and longer. I think the Eagles are too low and the Bengals are too high. But really, there's not much to disagree with on that sheet. Of the top five, though, I would go Bills slightly over the Chiefs, Eagles, Bucks, Niners. On a Wednesday, it's early, only one play so far. I saw this number on Sunday and thought, you know what, I want to pull it. Pats plus three, minus 115. This Belichick against former quarterback angle has been very good for a long time. And I know Jacoby Brissett only spent one season in New England, but Belichick has the book on him. Drafted him in the third round back in 2016. He's got the book on Brissett. He knows his tendencies. He knows what makes him tick. And I have full faith in the Patriots' ability to come up with a game plan to limit Brissett and the Browns' offense. And we know this should probably be a run-first game on both sides of the field. Nick Chubb, Ramondre Stevenson. But the thing is, these two run defenses are pretty stout too. So it's mostly strength on strength in the trenches. And if I'm New England, I am stacking the box against Chubb. If I'm Cleveland, I'm stacking the box against Stevenson. I want Zappi and Brissett to beat me. Which basically sets this up for like a 20-17 to 17 game either way. But I thought taking three was a good idea. And as I look at the market now, minus two and a half South Point, minus two and a half DraftKings, a lot of three offshore, but they're going to make you lay 120 to take the field goal with the Pats. So I have no issue a couple days ago sending out New England plus three minus 115. I think it's a good bet. I'll tell you what, though, by Thursday, and that's my day, and that's the joke around the office, usually by Thursday I have the Pats game figured out. I'm leaning more to the under. Open 41.5, got knocked up 42, 42.5. If it gets to 43, I promise you I will send out under. I think I'm liking the under more. Good running attacks, stuff the run. Commit to the run. Take away the run. And make these two very average quarterbacks make big throws down the field. It'll be a conservative game for New England. We know that. And you look at how they played against Detroit, 29-0. But how many offensive touchdowns? One. They got one offensive touchdown in a 29-0 affair. That's an under team in New England. And because Zappi is under center, Bill is letting the quarterback take even less risks. Mack was winging that thing all over the field. And he had six turnovers in three games. Five picks, one fumble. Zappi is turning and handing the ball off. So I do like New England plus three, and I'll probably play some under two. So stand by on that. Leans. Waiting to see about Tommy DeVito at Illinois. 
If he plays or we get a feeling that he's going to play, we'll take Illinois plus six and a half against Minnesota. I like Clemson, but I've been high on Clemson all year. Not a surprise. I'm not very high on Florida State. I don't think Florida State has really had a tough game yet. And that includes a game at home when they faced Wake as a seven-point favorite and lost. Then they go to NC State. NC State's sort of overrated. Clemson is the best team in the ACC. And the quarterback, DJ Uyunglele, continues to exceed expectations. Clemson's defense hasn't been healthy all season. They've been down two, three, four starters a game and are still holding opponents to 18 points per game. Imagine what that unit could do if it was healthy. Clemson only has to win by four on the road. I'm sorry, I lean to Clemson. Ole Miss, probably going to roll Auburn. Brian Harson looks so outmatched on the Tigers' sideline. He's 9-10 right now. Things aren't getting better, though. Auburn's already been blown out twice. They got to go to Mississippi State still. They still have to go to Alabama. And somehow, Auburn opened the season this year with five straight at home. Well, now it's the tough part of the schedule. They were just blasted in Athens, 42-10 by Georgia. And now they have to regroup, pull themselves off the mat, and go to Oxford, play Ole Miss. Lane Kiffin smells blood. Lane Kiffin probably going to run it up. They have two very good running backs, and Quinshawn Judkins and Zach Evans. This probably is a second-half route. I see 14-and-a-half, some 15. I don't know. This might get down to 14 because I believe Circa opened it at 16, and people came in and took 16. I'm looking at DraftKings, 14-and-a-half, Caesars, 14-and-a-half, WinBet, 14-and-a-half, BetOnline, 14-and-a-half. There are some 15s and 15 fives. I want to see where this goes. But anything under 17, I'll probably lay. I just want to see if I can get a 14. Give me a 14. I'll lay 14, no problem. I think Ole Miss is going to roll this team. But let's see if we might be able to get some minus 14. Utah minus 3.5. I did not play them last week. I like them against UCLA, but this has been the spot I've been waiting for all season. Anybody who's listened to the show knows that I couldn't wait for Utah to host USC. And we saw some very interesting fighting going on on Monday. Utah was laid from three to three and a half to four to four and a half. And then what happened? Bam, the other way. Bam. Four and a half to four to three and a half. And that's where we're at pretty much right now. Utes minus three and a half with 70% of the tickets on USC. Utah holding steady as a three and a half point favorite. I think that's a fair closing number too. It won't go down to three because they'll lay it with Utah, and it probably won't go back up to four, four and a half because then they'll take it with USC. I think Utah is going to win by a touchdown or more. I'll also be paying attention to Kentucky. Is Will Levis going to play? If he's a go, all of a sudden Kentucky is relatively live at plus seven. Now their backup situation is not good, and they got exposed against South Carolina last Saturday. But if Levis can go, I think those sevens are very good at home. NFL, a couple leans there. Rams minus 10.5. P.J. Walker going to start for Carolina. Lean Falcons and lean Giants. Atlanta 5-0 ATS. And I can get 5.5? 
against the Niners? That seems wrong. Atlanta's been very good, very efficient this year. Arthur Smith finally has a quarterback that he can run RPO with. Couldn't do it with Matt Ryan, but you can do it with Mariota. And then the Giants, just the darling of the NFC this year. After beating the Packers, Giants are catching 5-5.5 at home against Baltimore. We will see how Wink Martindale wants to cover and pressure Lamar Jackson, who looks like an MVP every time he takes the field. But the Giants are frisky, man. And it starts with Brian Dable coming in and going, you know what? You know what we should do? We should give Saquon Barkley the ball a lot and get out of the way. I don't know how it took this long for a coach to utilize their strengths and their skill. It's a very good running attack if you run the ball. And that coach is a difference maker. I went back and listened to Friday's episode, and I still, I'm still laughing at the fact that DraftKings was offering both Brian Dable and Dan Campbell at the same price to win Coach of the Year at 20 to 1. I didn't know what I was missing then, and I still don't know what I'm missing now. Dable should be the favorite. He's up there with Mike McCarthy, that's for sure. I love to needle McCarthy, but that team with Cooper Rush, they look better than when they have Dak Prescott. So those are two dogs I like in the NFL, Falcons and the Giants. And notice they are just under the six, just under a touchdown at five and a half and five. Last thing, before we get to Alex Smith, we are still a big old Guardians fans against the Yankees. And I hated to see Anthony Rizzo go deep last night as the Bronx Bombers won game one, four to one. Game two tomorrow night on Thursday, Yankees about minus 140 against Cleveland. It'll be Bieber against Nestor Cortez. I still have faith. If it's 1-1 going back to Cleveland, McKenzie gets the ball in game three. I'm not worried yet. If the Yanks go up 2-0, I'll be worried. But I went and looked at those exact bets that we put in. Dodgers over Guardians, 55-1. Guardians over Dodgers, 100-1. You ain't finding those prices anymore, that's for sure. But let's go. Cleveland baseball team, get this together. Come home, back to Ohio, tied 1-1, and we'll see what happens at the Jake. Joining us again on Chicken Dinner, he has been the most featured guest on this program over the many years of Chicken Dinner, Alex Smith, co-host of the Ice Guys. He also works for Against the Number. You can find him on Twitter at AXSmithSports. And I promise you, there is not a more loyal friend, listener, and guest to this podcast. It's not possible, Alex. Well, I try my best. I mean, it's a a wonderful program, and uh, you're a good guy. So, you know, I like to show support where uh, support should be shown. (laughs) Well, I appreciate that. Happy New Year to you. We're going to drop this on a Wednesday morning. So I think the elephant in the room is that you're picking against the Bees opening night, October 12th. You played Washington minus 120. I feel like this Boston team will be fascinating early this season because they're without two of their best players in Marshan and McAvoy, trying to get reacclimated with that second line, Krejci and Pasternak. You like the Caps, though, game number one. Yeah, I do. And like I said, it's a play on Boston's injuries. And, and keep in mind, the Capitals have injuries as well. I'll talk about it in a second. But like you mentioned, Brad Marchand, Charlie McAvoy, they're going to be gone until at least the beginning of December, if not a little bit further, uh, recovering from, from some serious uh, you know injuries and, and surgeries. And Marchand, you look at you know how 
vital he is to the Bruins' offense last year, he had a hand in almost a third of all their goals last year. While McAvoy, same thing, he's a, a great presence on the power play as well as on the blue line. So those two guys being gone, but also depth players like Matt Grizzlick, he's out for at least another couple of weeks. Taylor Hall, they're saying he's week to week. So those injuries, and like I said, a lot of rotating and changes on the top line, that's the reason why I'm fanning Boston. But the, but the Capitals, I like them in this spot here. But moving forward, they have some injuries to their own. Tom Wilson's going to be gone for at least most of the year. He's recovered from a torn ACL. Nicholas Backstrom, who's one of Ovechkin's favorite setup guys, he's out definitely with this hip injury. We don't know if he's ever, ever going to play the game again, to be honest. So Capitals, I like them in game one. But as far as the rest of the season goes, these are two teams I'd probably be looking to fade later on. When I look at the board in its entirety on the Tuesday and the Wednesday slate, I only see one five and a half pretty much everywhere, and that's the game that you will have already watched if you listen to this program. But Tampa Bay and New York is five and a half. Every other total the first two nights is six. Are you surprised by that? No, that that's the new normal now. We're going to see six and six and a half posted more often than not throughout the entire season. Uh, and we've seen an increase in scoring over the years, especially in the first month, month and a half. Uh, you know, we see to, you know, the offense kind of is awakened early and the defense kind of takes its time to settle in. So we're going to see those six and six and a half. And we're probably going to see sevens uh, more often this season than we've ever have uh, over the last decade or so. Do you have a favorite over on Wednesday? Uh, yeah, I like this Columbus and Carolina over. Uh, it's at six and it's just slightly shaded to the over in most shops. And the thing with this is Carolina, if you look at how they played in the postseason, they were a shutdown defensive team. They looked like a classic kind of playoff team. But during the regular season, they open up the ice a lot more. Also, you're wondering how is the health going to be for Frederick Anderson and Auntie Ranta? Both goalies dealt with injuries. So uh, with those guys fresh, you know, the, the line might be a little skewed a bit. And on Columbus's end, they added Johnny Gaudreau to Patrick Line and what's already a high-powered offense and a team that led the league in overs last year. Uh, I think they're just going to you know, add more firepower, and we're going to see goals back and forth here. So six, I think, is actually a cheap price. Columbus overs will probably be moving close to six and a half or seven uh, later on in the season. I have to laugh when I see 75-76 Chicago-Colorado. Last opening night, Colorado was around a $3 favorite. This year, they're a $4 favorite against the Blackhawks. We know Chicago is one of the worst organizations in pro sports right now, both on the ice, off the ice. I mean, that team is a mess right now. And I don't know how many wins they get this year. I don't know how many points they rack up this year. But that final score opening night, it could be like 6-1 to abs. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it, it's it's rough when you're looking at a team that's trying to tear everything down and rebuild and and tank for Connor Bedard, who's ultimately going to be the number one overall pick next year in the draft. Uh, Chicago is a poster child for it. I mean, there's no offensive punch in this team right now. They got shut out in three of their last four preseason games. Uh, you know, you mentioned the the goaltending is just absolutely horrific. Peter Morazic, a goalie who's been often injured for quite some time. He's the starter. Alex Salak, a guy who's best years are past him and actually you know, was uh, taking most of the last season off because he dealt with long COVID symptoms. He's okay from that, but the couple of games where he started, he looked horrific. He gave up a ton of big rebounds uh, and goals that he should have just you know, been able to go cr- cross post to post with. Just wasn't able to make the save. So when you add all that together and you're opening up against 
Colorado Avalanche who are going to be raising, raising their Stanley Cup banner as well. Yeah, things could get really ugly in this game, and things are going to be ugly for a lot of games for the Hawks this season. Is there any other team you would consider for the worst team in hockey? I can get Arizona plus 225, Chicago plus 275. I mean, we know that's those are the two worst teams, but is there another team that might challenge those bums? Yeah, you can look at the Philadelphia Flyers. I think they're going to be pretty bad, and then they made things, I think, a bit worse because you've added John Tortorella, a very fiery coach to the mix of a team that looked very lethargic and lazy, which is not t- John Tortorella hockey. So uh, things could get off to a bad uh, bad start in, the, uh, in Philly right now. But as far as the West goes, it's Chicago and Arizona by a long shot. And Arizona – if you remember last year on this program, I was two wins off from predicting their exact record. Yeah. 25, I said they were winning 23. And <laughs> you slacker. They're now going to open. Right? I know. I know. I know. I'm sorry. But what's crazy is they're now going to play in a new 5,000-seat arena called Mullen Arena. It's also the home of the Arizona State Sun Devils program. And they're going to be on the road for 20 of their first 24 games. It's unprecedented. I mean, this is a longer road trip than what the Islanders had to face last year when they were opening up UBS Arena in Belmont. Uh, You have an already bad team, and they have to play on the road for the first month and a half. It could be absolutely disastrous for Arizona. So as far as that tanking for for the number one uh, lottery pick, it's Arizona and Chicago by a long shot. But don't count Philly out. They're going to be pretty bad in the East. Philly, I can get 11-1 to right now to be the worst team in hockey. And when you say Philly at that price, I go, oh, you know, I wasn't thinking that way, but if I bet 100 – at 11 to 1, that's going to pay a nice pretty penny, if you will. Um, I know you've made some positions on regular season bets, I guess. Uh, you've got the point total bets on a couple squads. Can you take us through maybe your favorite bet or two that uh, somebody could still get down on right now? Well, like I said, Arizona uh, going under that point total, and it, it's moved from 66.5 to I've seen 65, 64s. I still think there's value with with that number. Uh, if you're laying 130 or, or better, that's the thing, uh, definitely a play I would look at. But you know, I mentioned about Columbus. Uh, you know, they're a team that I like to not only you know be over the total game to game, but I like they're over the points total uh, for the season. It's set at 81 and a half, which they were already at an 81 point team last year. And I think now solidifying that offense more. Line A knows where he's staying in, in Columbus. That's huge. He's the guy who bounced around, was in Winnipeg. Didn't know how things were working out with the coaching system and the staff, but now he's kind of, you know, seems to be stable in Columbus. Of course, you know, Gaudreau getting the eight-year deal. He's not going anywhere. So I think there's going to be a little bit more familiarity and comfortability with this offense uh, under Brad Larson. And the defense still needs to take some strides going forward, but the, the goaltending I think will be uh, solid. Elvis Brooks-Lincolns has really developed into a solid goalie. And I think you look at the last two seasons, we had the shortened season off the bubble and the pandemic, uh, and then moving into a quick start with no real preseason last year. I think we're going to see a lot of goalies that struggled in the season before do much better this year, and Elvis Muslikens is one of those goalies. All right, so Columbus over the point total. And then I look at the Chicago number, 66, 66 and a half. I don't do numbers in hockey like you do numbers in hockey, but I do the math. I don't think they win – 20 games so that's 40 points and then of course you could have some ties Uh, I don't know man I I think that's I think that's an under 66 and a half 
It is, but you know what's crazy about it? You look at, at the Hawks, their records the last couple of years, they've been a team that can get a lot of overtime points. So that is factored into that 66, but I still think, yeah, the only way you can look here is, is under by, by a chance. Like I said, 20 wins, yeah, that'll be – that's that's pretty generous. I'd say in the, in the 18 to 20, 22, 24 win range for sure. So you're still looking at unders even if you get you get 10 overtime losses in, in that spot. It's just, Yeah, it's going to be really rough for the Hawks. And like I said – we didn't even mention the fact that Patrick Kane and Jonathan Taves more than likely get traded after the deadline in late mm-hmm. February. Who knows how, how many games they might only win two or three games the rest of the uh, of, of that calendar schedule. It's gonna be it's gonna be bad. They might need Alex Smith on the two line to play center. I mean, that's <laughs> how might. bad it could be. I I don't I don't even want to go there, but that's that's what Chicago has done. You know, go to the bottom and go to the deepest part of the bottom before you can get yeah. better, and that might not be. <laughs> A bad strategy. I'm looking at the future board, and we see some separation between the best team in hockey, Colorado, and everybody else. I mean, I don't remember. Maybe you have to go back, you know, 10, 15 years where the favorite to win the Stanley Cup was at four to one, five to one, and as I say, five to one. I don't even see a five to one. The highest is plus four fifty on Colorado, but then every other team, for the most part is 10 to 1 or higher. Clearly a lot of respect for Colorado, which makes the price on everybody else that much bigger. Yeah, absolutely. And it, it, it's respected uh, you know, and, and understood that, you know, uh, Colorado is getting treated the way they are. They were one of the best teams in hockey throughout the entire year, won the Stanley Cup and they brought everybody back if not retooled uh, themselves into a stronger fashion and locking up some contracts like uh, Josh Manson to get rid of Nazem Kadri, but they're still able to find another guy that can plug in and play two-way hockey and Evan Rodriguez. So I really like what Colorado's done, but the team to look out for is right behind them. That's the Minnesota Wild. Uh, I like them possibly to, to take that division because you look at, there's always kind of a bit of a cup hangover with, with teams. I think Colorado will go through that. They're also having some injury issues, just like they did most of last regular season. You know, you, you saw a lot of their top guys miss time with injuries. Uh, and Gabriel Landeskog is one of the guys who's already going to be out. He's going to at least miss opening night. Uh, so Minnesota's a team that they you know pretty much brought everybody back. They solidified the goalie situation by signing Marc-Andre Fleury to a two-year deal. They get rid of Cam Talbot, who's already injured now in Ottawa. And I think they have a solid setup where they can stay healthy, of course. They should be able to compete for this division, but they'll be one of the top teams in the Western Conference. I like their spot at 8-1 to one to win the conference, and I even take a shot with them at 14-1 to one to win the Cup. I see them at 18-1 to one to win the President's Trophy. Yeah, that's possible because I, I really think those are going to be the top two teams. Though The Pacific's going to beat up on each other. The Metro and the Atlantic are also going to beat up each other. There's a clear disparity in, in the Central. And when you're in the division with Chicago and Arizona, you're looking at points uh, already. So I would definitely look at Minnesota for a President's Trophy potentially. Okay, do I bet this now? Do I bet them to win the Central at 4-1 to one, or do I bet them to win the Western Conference at 7-8-1? to one? What do you like more? I like the conference a bit more because even if they don't finish and win the division, I still like their their route to the playoffs. I think they will find a way to get over this little playoff hump they've had uh, last couple of years of being able to not get past the first round. We'll see them go forward. So I do like them to win the conference more than the division. As I say that, I now see a couple 10 to ones when you shop around. Always be shopping. You could find the right. wild 7 to 1, 8 to 1, 850, 10 to 1, 10 to 1, 10 to 1. So there you have it. Um, a lot of the audience is very familiar with your work. You've been coming on the show, as I joked off the top. You've been on more than any other guest. You're number one. Chris Andrews is number two, and it's not even close. 
with number three. Um, but just take us back to when you started betting on hockey and, and how this, I guess, turned from a hobby to a lifestyle and a career for you. So it's funny. Hockey is actually the last sport I started betting. When I was younger and I was a kid growing up, I was betting football and basketball just like everybody else. I never bet baseball, ironically enough. I played it but never got the grasp of betting it. I didn't start betting hockey until about 11 years ago. Uh, you know, Watching the game, and I've always been a lifelong fan, but I kind of started to understand the numbers a bit more because even though I was betting when I was younger, but I didn't really understand what exactly all was going on. So as I started just studying and researching more and I started to get the feel of betting money lines as opposed to spreads or looking at totals and, and looking at hockey differently than looking at football or basketball, I was able to really pinpoint and kind of just nail it down. And I watched so much hockey anyway. So I just figured, well, you know, it's a perfect fit to go right into uh, betting on it. And I've been successful for the last decade. That's an understatement. You've been very successful over the last <laughs> decade. You've been so good at hockey, but I think that plays into what we always talk about on the show is that the more you centralize and the more you focus on a specific thing, the more likely it is you have success. And I think all yeah. of us, all of us that gamble on sports, we have to shake the competitiveness that wants us to bet that late night college basketball game or that, you know, Russian table tennis match during COVID. We have to stop doing that shit because yep. the more we <laughs> bet on the things we don't know, the more likely it is we're going to lose. You have really over the last, and even since I've known you, you have centralized even more and even more. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, like I, like I said, I used to bet NBA 10 years ago and I did pretty well. And then as things changed, probably made what a dozen NBA bets last year and uh, you know hockey is my main thing this time of year now and, and even I do well in football and other sports but this is where you know my bread is buttered so to speak and so you know I have to focus in on this and, and like I said the more I watch the more I learn and that's what helps me you know build up my bankroll and you know be able to give out good information I'm looking at the calendar right now. I want to get you out to Boston here. I think we have to find a date, no matter what, to get you out here to the Garden and go to a game. That'd be awesome. But I'm trying to see if the Wild come into Boston, and I'm flipping through the schedule. Like I didn't plan on asking this question, but I don't. Oh, here we go. Uh, that's Boston at Minnesota on the 18th of March. So it doesn't look like yeah. the Wild come out this way, unfortunately. I think they do in like it's like a couple weeks though. <laughs> oh, really? Yeah. Hmm. 22nd of October. Oh, my God, that's yeah. in 12 days. Yeah, <laughs> so that'd be kind of a bit close. <laughs> yeah, that flight won't yeah. cost you, I mean, $1,400 round trip at this point in time. <laughs> yeah. All right, well, then let's do this. Let's find a date later in the season when you come out here. We got to get, we got to pour a couple back. Oh, for sure. And we got to go watch some hockey together. Like, I feel like that's the least I can do for you at this point. Yeah, it sounds like it sounds like a great time. <laughs> okay, circle the date on the calendar. That's Alex Smith, one of my favorite handicappers and the best hockey handicapper for my money. You can follow Alex on Twitter at AXSmithSports. You can listen to the Ice Guys. And I am now a much bigger Minnesota Wild fan than I was this morning, that's for sure. <laughs> sounds good, Sam. I take it easy. That about does it for Chicken Dinner. Thanks to Alex Smith for hopping on the show. Record check. We are up 3.2 units and football up 3.9 at this point in time. We've got one in the hopper. Pats plus three. Little juice. Minus 115. And I'll add some more for sure Wednesday, Thursday, Friday. Coming up on the show, we'll talk to Ryan Evan, who covers Illinois and the Big Ten. We'll talk some college football later this week. 
cash some tickets, make some money. We'll talk to you next time right here on Chicken Dinner.